Welcome to the News and Views podcast by the Fintech Times. Established in 2016, the Fintech Times is a global multimedia news outlet centered around the world's first leading fintech newspaper. We report on the latest and brightest ideas from the fintech world. Follow the conversation using hashtag TFC News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times. Hi, I'm Polly and I'm a journalist at the Fintech Times. Hi, my name is Manisha and I'm the marketing coordinator at the Fintech Times. So this week we're looking at digital banking as well as personalization within banking. Uh, but we're going to start with digital. So basically to break it down really simply, a digital bank is a bank or financial service company that exists purely over the internet. So this is usually on an app or an online platform um, and it will have no physical location that customers can visit. So these are often challenger banks, which are small, relatively new retail banks that attempt to directly compete with or challenge the longer established banks within the country. So some examples of digital banks include Starling Bank and Monzo, which are the two big names in the UK at the moment. Um, And then these banks will distinguish themselves from high street banks, you know, like HSBC, NatWest, things like that, um, using modern financial technology practices um, and particularly using their titular digital slash online only operations to avoid the costs involved with traditional branch based banking and in theory use that saving to create better products for their customers. Um, And they often offer services that are to and they offer offer services to people that are generally underserved by traditional high street banks. So digital banking is pretty big at the moment. Of course, with the COVID-19 pandemic going on, we're all having to stay at home and avoid going out where possible. This has caused a lot of face-to-face interactions to completely halt, with banking being a big part of that. Um, so while the majority of the UK's banks are currently still open during the 2021 lockdown we're in currently, at the time of recording, um, they are classed an essential service, but many are open with reduced hours, reduced staff and a reduced capacity, making it more difficult to access their services. So when you combine that with the inability to leave your home without an essential reason, with some people unable to leave at all if they're shielding, traditional in-person banking has seen a significant decline over the last year. So a survey from Juniper Research has found that over 50% of US consumers that wanted to change banks would consider a digital-only bank, with the same findings reflected in a similar UK survey. Um, And being pro-digital banking can also be seen not just in the everyday consumers, but within business and SME customers as well. Uh, So a visa study on digital banking and SMEs found that 88% of small and medium-sized enterprises in Singapore would consider switching some services to digital banking. Um, And the study also highlighted that digital banks often reach the relatively untapped market of the financially underserved. So whether that's, you know, within the SME community or just regular everyday consumers, which is another huge plus point for this sector, because I think a big topic at the moment is dealing with financial inclusion and how to handle underserved people within society and how to help them with, you know, their financial needs. And that's where fintech is a really big thing. And digital banking is really helping that. Um, There's also been a lot of new digital banks or at least new digital banking solutions popping up all over the globe. One example of that is the UK bank Monument that received a UK banking license back in October. Uh, They received this license in just over 18 months, which is one of the fastest rates of progress for any new bank. And I think the key thing that we're seeing in the moment is that just the financial industry and the banking sector are really having to keep up with current trends and ultimately keep up with their consumers' lives. We're living in a time where people are inundated with so much choice for their services. There are so many banks now. If you think compared with perhaps, you know, 50 years ago, you'd have just the high street banks and that was it. And now there are 
so many different options for your banking purposes. There's just so much choice there. And people today know exactly what they want in their financial needs. So if a bank can't deliver what they need, then that bank is going to lose out on customers. It's as simple as that. And digital banking, you know, sort of really gets into this as often they're focused on sort of one or two really big things. Like, so, for example, Starling Bank at the beginning was very much just focused on creating a really good current account. And that was all they started on when they were first starting out. And then they created a really good current account and have moved on since to other things. So digital banks in general provide very simple services that are just really easy to get your head around, easy to use and just generally very convenient and sometimes traditional banks can possibly struggle to keep up with that. So I remember when I went to open my first proper bank account when I was 16, I had to make an appointment, drag my mum along and sit in some lady's office for 20 minutes while I signed a bunch of forms. And then, you know, I know that was, gosh, 10 years ago now, but the same thing happened when I opened a student account a couple of years ago. I had to go and do it in person. And while sometimes it's nice to have a face to face conversation and like a proper interaction with someone, especially at the moment, um, it's why would you drag yourself out to the high street to open an account when you can do it from your sofa or just from home? I think the pandemic has really accelerated what was already happening in the digital banking space. And as we carry on um, at the moment, we're going to see a lot more love for digital banking. And just even beyond when the pandemic is over, I think it's just going to be a purely digital space or at least mostly digital space. I think banking right now is such an interesting topic, particularly within personal banking for the regular person. Um, and I think we're going to see so much more innovation within the space, building on what we already have. Like digital banks are just consistently offering convenient services to consumers, which is fantastic in itself. But they're also managing to foster innovation within the more traditional banks as well, who are working to keep up and keep themselves relevant. So actually, a really competitive market is developing, which from a consumer's perspective is fantastic. As we mentioned before, there's just so much choice for whatever you need. There's something for everyone. And the one size fits all approach that banking traditionally follows just isn't working anymore. And I think it's great that we're seeing the sector sort of realise that and start thinking about actually what they're offering to customers. And what's great is that everything is starting to revolve around the consumer, which I think just makes everything better for everyone. So, Manisha, I know you've looked at personalisation this week. Uh, did you have any thoughts that you want to add on this? Yeah, so that's correct. I wanted to speak about the importance of um, hyper-personalization and how retail banks are starting to adopt the same strategy. So to start with, as we already know, it's essential for any business to survive. You need you need to satisfy your customers. Um, you know, customer experience is predicted to overtake price and product as a firm's brand differentiator. Having a good reputation is vital for customer satisfaction and, you know, and building trust. And there is research to suggest there there is a strong revenue and valuation argument to be made in favor of hyper-personalization. So to begin with, I'll start by explaining what that is. Um, hyper-personalization takes advantage of real-time data and cutting-edge technologies, you know, like AI to deliver more rev relevant and personalized, you know, services to users. It's an approach that takes personalization, as we know, one step further. Um, Essentially, it's when customers have too much choice and majority of customers after going on clothing, e-commerce, any sort of website where it displays a variety of products and services, it ends up actually being only around 39% of customers leave that website due to boredom. So firms need to narrow down the choice for them and tailor products and services suited to customers' needs. Um, nowadays, firms can now interact with their customers beyond the point of sale. You know, they use data and behavioral science to determine someone's personality traits. 
for example, tech giants such as Netflix, Amazon apply digital tools to offer a seamless omnichannel experience and show that they have their customers' best interests. So, you know, to tailor to tailor towards their customers, they use meta tags, they have recommendations. So there are recently there are more retail banks that are now adopting this strategy of hyper personalization. However, there are a few obstacles that I will mention. And so to start with, reports have said that banks have such a rich amount of data and a large customer base, they don't know what to do with it. So to achieve personalization, they will need to, you know, focus and gain more insight with the existing data that they have rather than creating more and more data per customer. Um, another issue is banks aren't actually solving customers' issues. So they will need to move forward from a product-centric model to a one that is more customer-centric. So instead of focusing on, you know, offering different banking services, you'd have to go beyond that. And customers want streamlined so um streamlined journeys and live alerts you know through using immersive apps um i'd say another point is banks are not trusted so ever since the global financial crisis loads of banks were perceived as placing you know money over ethical businesses and customer interests i think trust is reflected in the customer's willingness to share personal data for specific benefits such as discounts or personalization and survey shows when choosing what personal data customers share, respondents would share um, their geolocation. So banks that have a relationship with companies such as, you know, retail companies such as Starbucks can send offers if a customer is located nearby using real-time real data. So I think to overcome these obstacles and looking at the benefits of hyper-personalization, you know, it can drive operational and cost efficiencies, which essentially drives profitability. To meet customers' needs, banks can either you know, tailor products, simplify products, or reduce costs from utilizing these digital technologies, such as you know new payment infrastructures that can make the transaction faster and cheaper, and will therefore will cut out the middleman that usually takes a, a cut of this commission. Not only does it do that, it will help with fraud detection and risk management. And lastly, you can gain a lot of customer insight, as I've been speaking about before. By looking past like traditional data sets, you can look into customers' behavior and get up, get more insight on their on their motivations, and this will enable enable a high degree of customization. I think you know customers will be able to see through automated communications, and it will take note that you aren't really making an effort to establish an emotional relationship with your consumer. And it's actually said that emotionally invested customers have better value than highly satisfied customers. To conclude, the major advantage of hyper-personalization in banking is that it can make your offer much more accessible and it can provide a more decluttered experience. So I think investing in hyper-personalization tool is a very, very smart strategy and a lot of retail companies should follow the way for, this should, this should be the way forward for retail companies. You know, and it, companies can increase their revenue customer retention and essentially connect with customers on an emotional scale and build customer loyalty. Thanks for listening to the News and Views podcast by the Fintech Times. Don't miss next week's episode and continue the conversations using hashtag TFT News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times.